I was actually surprised by how many people wanted to hear my actual story instead of me just giving teaching topics and stuff like that. So it's one more reason why you just have to get out there and do the stuff that makes you nervous because you never know until you try. So it was definitely a great experience. Welcome to Unlocking College Life. Real talk about all things college. The best part of this podcast is that your voice is part of the show. Other students care what you have to say. So through your questions, your feedback, and your real talk, we all grow together. Let's dive in with your hosts, Joy and Alona. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Unlocking College Life. Today, we're joined by a first-year student named Morgan, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a first year on a college campus, which we know a lot of you out there can relate to. So Morgan, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Morgan, and I am a freshman at the University of Michigan. I guess I'm just going to tell a little bit about my story. I'm not originally from Michigan. I live in Ohio, but I'm originally from Wisconsin. So Morgan, I know we talk a fair bit in class about help seeking and failure and those sorts of things. And I know you've had a lot to say about sort of your journey getting to college and how you've been navigating this semester. So just tell us a little bit about how it's been for you coming to college and your first semester here. One of the biggest obstacles I had coming into college was the social anxiety that I have, which is really funny because everybody I tell, I don't tell people that I have anxiety right away. Like I'll talk to people and then I never would have thought you had anxiety, which my therapist calls high functioning anxiety. I'm just really good at masking it, I guess. And I've spent a lot of years working on it. So I'm definitely better than I was when I started therapy. But I was just really scared to come to a school where I knew absolutely no one. There's what, 100,000 people at the University of Michigan, including faculty. No one from my high school applied to Michigan in 15 years. So I was the first person to go there. My grandma lives 10 minutes from campus, but she's like 90. So she doesn't really leave the house very often. And she was wasn't able to really help me with school and everything like that. So I was pretty much on my own, but I kind of forced myself to go out to the Welcome Week events and festival and stuff like that, even though it was really nerve wracking for me. I mean, I ended up making a ton of friends. So that doesn't tell you anything about social anxiety. It's like literally all in your head. My therapist used to make me go to restaurants and order on my own give me these tasks to go out and do things on my own. And ultimately, it helped because I think I've never had this many friends in my life. So I'm very grateful to her and to all the work that I've done on my own to finally be comfortable with making friends. I don't think I could talk to strangers, but I'm a lot better than I was before. So what would you say? You're so self-aware kind of a how you got to where you are. So what would you say to someone else who might not have a therapist to have helped you through that, but who feels social anxiety and is kind of feeling like they're held back by it? I think the most important thing to remember is that you don't know until you try it. Me and Joy have talked about a lot. My biggest fear probably in life is failure. And I feel like that is a huge part of social anxiety. You just fear that someone's not going to like you or they're thinking about the weirdest things that they're thinking about you. And they're probably not thinking that you have one fly away in your hair or you said something wrong or whatever. That was all these intrusive thoughts that I would always have. Oh my God, everyone's watching me walk on the street and there's literally 40 other people walking on the street. So you have to remember that you are not the only person who feels the way that you do. There's millions of other people out there who have social anxiety. You're not the only person 
doing whatever you're going to do, whether it's normal or whether it's not. And it's okay to be scared, but you never know what you're going, what's going to come out of it if you don't at least try. Because if I hadn't gone to the Welcome Week events, I wouldn't have any friends. I'd be lonely. And my college experience would be completely different than what I've experienced so far. So I think it sucks in the moment to tell somebody just go out there and do it because that's not the best advice, I feel like. There's not much that comes from that, but it's the honest truth. You have to at least give it a shot. Yeah, I think, you know, what's really important with anxiety is that anxiety sort of projects into the future what will happen. And what you are saying, which is really true with treatment for anxiety disorders, is that you got to go get data. So if anxiety is telling you that, like people are watching me or they're going to think I'm stupid as soon as I speak, go check it out. Is that really actually true? And I think... It sounds like what prepared you a little bit was that you were doing some exposure work prior to that. So it wasn't from zero to a hundred going to welcome week. It was go to a restaurant and order for yourself. So I think that's important too. And it sounds like it has gotten a lot easier for you. So I really appreciate you sharing that big concern, not just for freshmen. I mean, talking about really throwing you in. You probably don't know many students here, maybe anyone at all. It's big, even for folks who don't really necessarily have social anxieties. So I am looking forward to hearing more from you. Semester is wrapping up. Reflections. Yeah, for sure. I think about that all the time because obviously I do have anxiety, but I think about for anybody, especially at the University of Michigan, it's like what the number one public university. There's so many people, not even just everybody who goes to school, every works there. We're in the middle of downtown Ann Arbor. It's not like strangers aren't walking around either. So just for any freshman, whether you know 50 people there or not, it's a huge experience in life going from one place to another, especially for people. I can't even imagine people moving from California all across the country. There's so many people from all over the world at University of Michigan. I just think that it's like really good. They offer so many different things during welcome events so you can get a sense of community and find friends and do stuff like that just because they probably are very aware that there's a lot of people there and it just gives you the opportunity to find that sense of community. So say a little bit more because you connected the failure piece to the social piece. And I know that you're really open about your sort of fear of failure. And so how have you also worked through that maybe beyond the social piece too? I don't know that I have worked on it. I guess, in, I mean, actually in your class, you kind of forced me to work on some of those, create your own adventure assignments. But feel of failure is so real or the fear of the unknown. Those are things that I struggle with on a daily basis and it just ties in really well with anxiety because you just overthink about everything and it's so hard in the moment tell yourself to stop doing it. When someone tells you stop crying or it's fine, relax. In the moment, that's not going to help me. So definitely when I'm in attacks on my mental health, full-blown anxiety attack, which has not happened super often, thankfully, but I know people out there who are like really struggling with anxiety. It takes them everything to get outside and go out and do things with that fear of failure, fear of other people watching you, fear of the unknown, what's going to happen, what happens next. Like I said, it's difficult to stay in the present and stay in the now and just try your best. That's honestly what you have to do. I'm still working on my fear of failure. I literally will not do anything that I think I won't succeed at, which it sucks, but it's one of the challenges of life and we wouldn't have challenges of life. Life's not easy. So I just try my best every day, I think. You were talking about sort of fear of the unknown. Then when we drive in a fog, you can't see very far. 
So you just really take it. You might see three feet ahead, if that. And so you just take it to those three feet. And then you again see three more feet. With anxiety, we just think that we are supposed to see the whole path. And often we predict what that whole path will actually look like. I had a question for you in terms of failure. What does failure mean to you? When you refer to failure and fear of failure, what are you referring to? I think ultimately, probably how others view me, maybe. I just like think of sometimes very materialistic things when I think of my fear of failure. In junior high, when I really wanted to do the talent show, but I never went on because I was scared that I wouldn't win or I was scared that everybody wouldn't like what I was going to do, whatever the hobby was. Well, I'm not going to win, so I don't want to do it. But I think when I like reflect on it now, everything I can think of where I was too scared to do it, I was just scared of everybody's reaction to it what they would think, would they think that I did good, would they have negative reactions, would they say I did bad or whatever. And it's never happened. <laughs> That's not even toot my own horn or anything, but like it's just nobody cares about that kind of stuff. It's not like I am getting up in front of a million people and it's on social media and they can say whatever they want in my comments and stuff. It's ultimately my closest friends and my family members and people who really support me or it's just the fact that I'm good at what I'm doing and I just don't think I'm good enough for it. So ultimately my fear of failure probably has maybe everything to do with what everybody else is going to say about it and then what they're going to say to their friends and what they're going to say behind my back, whatever. And that's really annoying as well because I can't control that. So I think that's the idea there. Yeah, exactly. We often talk about control the controllables. And no matter how you show up in the world, people still may have judgments about you. And also, as you said already, most folks don't really care when you're walking on the street. Most of us are really wrapped up in our own heads. Well, and I would also say sometimes when I'm talking with students about this topic, they'll already be thinking about what they're going to avoid or why they wouldn't do something. And then so sometimes the practice will be, okay, let's play out the worst case scenario in your head. And then I actually think that can be effective. I'd be curious what Alona thinks too, because one of two things either happens, either the worst case scenario, once they start saying it out loud, it's like so ridiculous, or they'll play out what it is. And then we problem solve like, okay, what if that happens? Like, let's just play that out, like take it all the way down the runway. And that also can feel cathartic because sometimes we just hold on to the unknowns of it instead of playing it out. Yeah, I'd say to that as well. I've actually kind of thought of those things before, maybe on my own or with my therapist, if I'm scared to ask my dad or something. Let's say, for example, I'm scared to ask my dad if a friend can sleep over. The worst that they can say is no. That's so simple. And it's like the same thing for anxiety and all this fear of failure and stuff. Another thing that I thought of while you're talking when doing thinking of what's the worst that can happen, I think of the reactions that may come and then I think of myself, I'm like, well, I don't like everybody and I don't like everybody's performance or what they do. Or sometimes I judge this and judge that. Why would I expect everybody to love me or expect everything to like about me? It sucks, but it's the truth. And I think everybody can relate to that as well. And I think it potentially also connects to what you were saying earlier, that you might have preconceived notions about what your family or friends may judge about you. But I'm actually curious if you were to ask them what they value about you, if those would align, you know what I mean, the things that you worry would disappoint them, is that truly what they actually value, maybe an assignment that we can give out. Yeah, once again, I think that ties into the stuff about no one really cares the things that I'm in my head about. My parents are probably not even thinking about that's not what they care about at all. Same thing goes for society. Everybody's different. So whatever 
I'm going to go out and do. Not all of us think exactly the same. Whatever I'm thinking about is probably not even at on the first of their list. So I'm glad you brought that up for sure. So something I know about you, Morgan, is you just recently kind of put yourself out there on your Instagram, which I know you have over 2000 followers or something. And you use your Instagram story to put out some you know pretty vulnerable posts around your own beliefs around mental health. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how did that feel for you as you were about to do that? Were you like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'm just going to do it. Or how did you sort of play that whole thing out? Yeah. So first, when you introduced the project itself, I was like, there's no way I can do anything. The original plan was maybe something on social media. Maybe I'll bring something up in one of my clubs, something like that. And I knew it was always going to be about mental health. That's something that I'm super passionate about. But I didn't exactly know what platform I wanted to do it on. And then I thought further, well, I love social media. I've always wanted to put myself out there, but this is also kind of still within my comfort zone. So I don't have to get up in public speak or something like that. So it was kind of a compromise, but at the same time, 2000 something people is not a small number. So it was very nerve wracking. You know, I thought that I was going to get a lot of negative reactions or people telling me that they didn't care or I wouldn't get any reaction at all. And then the project would fail and I wouldn't have any feedback or they wouldn't be interested in anything like that, which was the complete opposite. So many people reached out to me because of it. They interacted with the stories that I posted, asking them questions. I was actually surprised by how how many people wanted to hear my actual story instead of me just giving teaching topics and stuff like that. So it's one more reason why you just have to get out there and do the stuff that makes you nervous because you never know until you try. So it was definitely a great experience. Was I nervous? Absolutely. And I probably was still nervous with every single post, but I am more confident now to interact with other people in that sense. And that's why I want to kind of continue the project for sure. I would love to know, and here comes a therapist word, how did it feel after? Like, what do you feel now reflecting back? Yeah, so I said before that I was really nervous to post it. I was just anxiety ridden about posting because I thought that I wasn't going to get positive reactions, which once again, fear of failure, just coming in all the time. But after it was like, man, I could be like a mental health advocate. It's crazy to think about how much I know compared to some people my age. I've always been told that I'm more mature than people my age. I've always been told that I'm this or that. I'm more experienced, whatever. But you never realize it until you actually sit down and talk with people who don't know anything about mental health. And this is something that I am unfortunately slash fortunately really experienced in. I've been in therapy for five years. I've had my experiences in life that have caused me to have mental health issues. And I feel really good about helping other people. That's why I'm a psychology major. That's why I want to be a lawyer someday. I want to help other people. I want to impact other people in a positive way. So I feel like this was just a gateway to all the things that I want to do in life, all the things that I've always been passionate about, giving back to other people that have meant a lot to me because there were people responding to me that I had no idea ever struggled with mental health or would be the type of people who had no idea about mental health or wanted to hear my story. People from my high school, people from college that I'm friends with, people from my job that I barely ever talk to. It's just crazy how many people you can touch and how many people you never know anything about until you actually get out there and have a conversation with them. I think the freedom of that is also very, very powerful. We never know what's on the other side. I think something that's so familiar to us, when we share it, 
we either think, oh, everybody already knows that or like, oh, nobody's going to care about that. And it's so much more nuanced than that. We never know what's going to really connect with someone else. And then I heard you say something earlier about, oh, what if I had posted all of it and I didn't get any comments and you did actually say maybe that would be a failure. I actually want to push back on that for a second because I wonder also in all of this is going back to Alona's point from earlier is that's data. So it might mean, is it the content? Maybe it's how you posted it. It's like, how can we also not give up in those moments that if we're not getting the reaction we thought, how do we not see it as like, oh, that was a failure instead of maybe I'll try something different or maybe it needs to be in a different format. I'm just like, I just wonder what you think about that. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that the whole point of the project was to get me out of my comfort zone. So I feel it's not a failure in the sense that I was proud of myself and I ended up doing it. But not getting any feedback is like really difficult because you don't know what you did wrong. Obviously, you can post after and be like, what do you want to see? But if people continue to not respond to you, you have no idea where to go next. And that's not to say that I can't try posting actually on my Instagram rather than on my stories or that I can't try Twitter or TikTok or Snapchat or something else where maybe someone's more comfortable. And someone brought up in class when I did my presentation, do you think it would have been better if I was completely anonymous and I couldn't see who was messaging me. Maybe that is why only this many people responded and not the rest of my followers, whatever. So it's kind of sucky in that case because it's not like they can tell you what you did wrong because they're continuing to not respond. And that's where I feel like the failure comes into play. Definitely was something so vast posting on Instagram when you have that many followers and you don't know when people are seeing this or what they're thinking in that kind of way. We often talk about planting seeds and some of the folks that saw your post just may not be ready to come out. So I think it's really important what you're saying. And even if you do official study, we always reflect on interfering factors and, and all of that. And it's really fascinating why people did or didn't respond and what might be standing in their way. I also heard you earlier say sort of the anxiety that I have has been impacted by, it sounded earlier, life events. Are you able to share that with us? Yeah, so I won't dive super deep into it, but I ultimately used to live in Wisconsin, as I mentioned before, and ended up having to move to Ohio to live with my dad because of some experiences I had in my childhood, which involved things with my family members from drug abuse to divorce to <laughs> alcoholism. The list kind of goes on, and I was at a really young age, just kind of seeing all of these things and taking it in. I'd always been the type to bottle up my emotions, but a big part of it, I was being lied to a lot of that time as well to protect me because I was younger. So while I knew what was going on, I didn't at the same time because the people that I looked up to in my life were telling me a different story and I was kind of stuck in between the two. And on top of that, I was moving around multiple different times. I was living with my sister, sleeping on her couch during my elementary school years, having to hide my family life from my friends and stuff like that. There's a lot going on at home from a lot of different reasons. I knew family members who were in jail. I knew family members who were addicted to a million different things man after man coming into my life because of my mom's relationships and my dad were divorced when I was two years old. So there were so many things that I was experiencing at such a young age, which I think is a part of why I was so mature at eight years old. 
but I bottled all of that up and I was too scared to ask. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it because the people I would talk to were the people that were doing the things to me. So I had no one to kind of talk about my emotions with. And now I know as a 19 year old that I really like talking about things. I really like just putting it out there. I don't need advice. I don't need someone to tell me how I feel because I typically figure it out on my own, whether that's just my emotional intelligence or my therapist, what she's done for me. But typically I just like to say it and then be done with it and it's fine, but I didn't have anybody to vent to. So I was terrified up until freshman year to ask for a therapist. And then finally when I did, my whole life changed and now I'm 19 and unapologetically myself and have become unapologetically myself since like junior year of high school and even more so coming to college because I met all these people that are so much like me and all these people that I like and taking the classes that I like. Looking at myself from when I was 10 years old is a completely different person, absolutely. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your history. I think it's important also when we try to destigmatize mental health because folks can sometimes self-blame. What you're underscoring here is that one, yes, we can be predisposed genetically, but also our environments play such an important part. So it's that nature and nurture factors that are really important to remember and help us further destigmatize mental health. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because the whole Instagram, social media thing was all about me being mental health positive. That was kind of the idea behind it, which to me personally just means that having mental health is normal because it is. Everyone has mental health like you have physical health and it should be fine to talk about mental health or mental illness or when you feel fine or you feel sucky or if you need to ask for help because I'm also a really independent person something that I struggled with for a really long time was asking for help which is kind of why I never asked for a therapist I just figured I could do it on my own which at 12 years old you cannot do it on your own absolutely I don't know why I thought that I could but the point is that it's literally so okay not to be okay. There's so many people out there who are experiencing the same thing that you are. If there's 7 billion people in the world, I'm sure that you're not the only person. And you should feel comfortable in talking about mental health. That's why I'm so fine talking about my story. I feel like I don't need to tell all the details, but I can tell you where I come from, my side of the story, the things that I struggled with. And I'm completely fine talking about therapy. I don't think it's weird to go to therapy. I don't think that it's weak to go to therapy or people are going to make fun of me for going to therapy. And that's definitely a place that I used to be in when I first started going or before I got into therapy. I'd, I'm too scared to ask. That's so weird. People don't go to therapy or I don't have any problems. I'm just making it up in my head or everything that I was experiencing as a child. Whatever. It's not real trauma. That's fine. <laughs> so just ultimately, I think it's so important to just let our guard down and be fine with having a mental health that's continuous and a gray area and vast and everybody is different as long as you just accept it and take in all the help that you can, whether that be individually or from outsourcing and stuff like that. I'm going to ask you one more question and it's sort of to loop back to how you got to Michigan because you're talking so much about your story and we've been mentioning, you never know who's listening or you never know who your story is going to impact. I'm wondering how you because the one part you didn't talk about was who helped you to see yourself here as a Michigan student? Like, how did you get there? 
I was the first in 15 years to apply to Michigan and then actually get in from my high school. And a big part of that's probably because I live in Ohio and everyone wants to go to Ohio State. But I think that ultimately it is my dad, 100%. I never tell him this and we never talk about these kinds of things, but he's probably my savior. If he hadn't taken me out of the situation that I was in when I was 10, 11 years old, I wouldn't have thrived. I wouldn't have gotten straight A's every single year since I was 11 years old. Had six jobs now at this point. All these things, I highly believe butterfly effect and the domino effect, all these things happen for a reason. I don't believe in coincidences. I think that I was given all these hardships in my life because I'm strong enough to take care of it and I was given the support system that I have now because that's what was meant to happen and now I'm at one of the best universities in the world because I did have my dad to tell me that I am smarter than he was at my age and tell me that I can do anything that I want to do with my life. I will say that both my grandparents did go to the University of Michigan, so they were all very large driving force in my life. My grandpa was in the Michigan band and then was a professor at the University of Michigan and then even had his memorial at the University of Michigan when he passed away. So I bleed blue and yellow at this point. So they were a very important part of why I applied to Michigan as well. But when I was applying to Michigan, I did not think I was going to get in. I did not think I was good enough. My ACT score was not high enough this or that. But I will say that I told my story and my essays. I poured my whole life out and I think that was a really important part. So everybody looks at childhood trauma and looks at mental health as a bad thing. I mean, if it hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be where I am today. If I had the perfect childhood, I'd probably still be in Wisconsin at this point. I'd probably be at the University of Wisconsin-Madison or something. I mean, my life probably was completely different. So I'm very thankful to my dad for taking me out of a really crappy situation, quite frankly, and supporting me and always telling me I can do whatever I want to do. And then ultimately leading me to being successful in my financial life, my social life, my academics, everything. I'm very proud of myself and I probably owe a good portion of that to my dad for sure. Well, I hope your dad listens to this episode. Well, thanks so much, Morgan. Thanks for being with us. And I hope maybe you'll consider maybe putting part of your story on your permanent Instagram because probably some people will look you up after this. And thanks, everyone. See y'all next time. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on your favorite pod platform. Share with your friends if this is making you think about and participate in college differently. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. This podcast is not professional advice or replacement for therapy. If you need professional advice, you should find it with professionals in your area, such as your primary care physician or therapist.